Welcome back to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. The San Marcos River here in central Texas is considered one of the most biologically diverse ecosystems in the southwestern U.S. Protecting this river and keeping it clean, clear, and flowing has been the mission of the San Marcos River Foundation. And my guest, Diane Wasenick, is program manager for the foundation. She's been with them from the start. Diane has been with the River Foundation for 31 years in one capacity or another. Um, and I'd like to welcome you first to Mothering Earth and ask you to tell us something about your background and why you've dedicated a large part of your life to the foundation. Well, I grew up being outdoors a lot and I was a kind of a bookworm, but I did spend a lot of time outdoors. I lived in a small town where children were free to range for several miles on their bicycles. Um, and as I grew older, I got into things like organic gardening and um, environmental causes. I read Rachel Carson as a child. Um, I read a lot, and so I definitely felt that Mother Earth needed a lot of help. And so um, as I grew older, I uh, went to college in Houston at both Rice and University of Houston. And when I graduated, I moved to the Austin area and lived out on, in the country, and then even further out in the country um, in Leander. And then I ended up um, going to Idaho for a while and I lived in the backcountry and I have a real appreciation for uh, nature and wilderness lands and so when I moved back to the Austin area in the 70s um, Austin was still a fairly small town and um, I enjoyed living in the city but I ended up moving to San Marcos in 1980 I had a small bakery here and I did that for a few years, and I moved on to other jobs. I worked in a newspaper, and I've had a sorted other, uh, a checkered career, as they say. Um, my degree is in art. I have a fine arts degree, and I really never intended to do what I do for a living. Uh, it was just an interest of mine. But over the years, um, I married um, the man who had a restaurant here, Tom Wasenick, and uh, Grin's restaurant is well known and very old. And he uh, has retired from that now, but um, it, it gave me, San Marcos became my home base in my hometown, and I embraced it because I loved it. And the river was the first thing I visited when I came to town to look at the bakery. And uh, as most people who live in San Marcos, I really love the river. Later, he and I lived downstream in Martindale, right on the river bank, and we got into several battles to try to protect the river down there from various things, jet fuel pipelines, um, wastewater plants, and so on. About 1985, when the River Foundation was just getting established, there were three leaders in the community who were the incorporating members, Dr. Glenn Longley, Chuck Nash, and um, Denny Thomas, who did live in Wimberley for a while. Um, they were, he was the publisher of the local daily record. 
They started it with the help of many, many what they called founding members who were people who donated to get the original organization started. And my husband and I were one of those groups through his restaurant that were founding members. A lot of local people who are still members were members 30 years ago. So the River Foundation got started, but at first it was not very active. Uh, it was kind of, um, people had different feelings about what they wanted the River Foundation to do. And for a while, the River Foundation did not do much. So, um, but it, but it was all, it, it seems like it was all focused on protecting. Oh, yes. Because I think one thing that everyone agreed on is that rivers are often the boundary between counties and between various governments. And there isn't somebody that just defends the river. And that's what they wanted out of the River Foundation, that that would be the focus, to make sure the river stayed clean, beautiful, and the water fairly pure. I'm here today with Diane Wassenick, who's program manager at the San Marcos River Foundation. Um, and uh, obviously the river is important to you as a resident here and somebody who's involved in the foundation. Um, so I was wondering if, since you've lived here a long time, can you give us a little picture of what the river was like when you first came here and maybe a little history about it? Well, the River Foundation uh, started at a time when the parks in San Marcos were already fairly established as being parkland around the river itself. And that was accomplished in previous decades by our city, and that was a worthwhile effort to have all this be parkland. But uh, the parks were not nearly as busy as they are now. They're rather packed now. There's a lot of tourism from all over the state that focuses here to go tubing or whatever. Uh, the local Lions Club, who was one of the groups that helped establish the River Foundation, Dr. Longley, the biologist, was also in the Lions Club. Um, they have brought a lot of people here for the tubing business and they distribute their profits then to a lot of the agencies in town or nonprofit groups that need assistance. So that has been a good thing. We've grown tremendously in the 30 years that I've lived here. The city sure. has grown and uh, that has led to some concern because we know that urbanized rivers often turn dark brown. They are not able to maintain their clarity. Yeah. And, and now uh, the, the three areas that the River Foundation focuses on uh, in terms of the San Marcos River are the water quality, the flow, and the beauty. And so what I was wondering was if you can talk, if we can talk a little about each of these areas, maybe starting with the water quality. And if you can talk about some of the projects that the foundation does uh, in order to keep the water quality at a high level. Well, um, as far as water quality goes, I think for over 20 years, we've funded the water test kits for volunteer water monitors. They call themselves the river rangers and um, they have done a remarkable job under the 
coordination or supervision of Rachel Sanborn, who now is a part-time employee for the River Foundation. But for 19 years, she did this as a volunteer, and she would make sure the test kit supplies were correct and everything was calibrated correctly, and she would check their data when the volunteers turned it in, and she trained them all. So that group is one of the largest groups in the state of Texas under the Texas Street stream team program and uh, that testing is done so that there is just a constant eye on the river and if somebody's out doing a water test they're also looking around to see if there's a problem and a lot of point discharges have been found that way now what is a point a point discharge is where it's coming out of a pipe Oh, okay. Either a storm drain or some unidentified pipe. Sure. And uh, so we've had a lot of incidents where uh, odd things have been noted, like one day the river was kind of blue, and um, they realized it, took a photo of the bag of the sample and how turquoise it was, and uh, we found out the university had been dyeing their ponds uh, with some copper stuff to kill algae or Mm -hmm. or make it look prettier and that was leaking into the river which is a no-no because you know that would harm the endangered species so uh, we were able to get that fixed real quick but a lot of things have been found that way those water quality monitors are really important and so many of them are young people who could use this training. They can use it on their resume. It might help them understand that that's a field they want to go into. And then there's also some adults and older people who have done it for 20 years mm-hmm. in the, on their spot of the river that they chose. So it's a great program. Um, Is that something where they're testing it uh, at certain intervals, at certain yes. specified times? Yes. Or they just, okay. Yes. They have so they certain have. days they do it, and they try to do it at the same time every day so that the, the comparison can be made between sure. all of them because things vary by the temperature and the time of day, light or dark. And so um, it's, it's a very extensive program, and we have 20 years of data from that. We found out during our water quality wastewater wars of the 90s that it's very important to have background data or baseline data. And so that was one of the reasons that group got started. And that was during our efforts. Um, we aren't all just fun volunteer work. Um, sometimes we have to hire lawyers and protest a permit uh, for, say, a wastewater plant and try to clean that up by requiring stiffer uh, restrictions on what can be dumped into the river. And we've done quite a bit of that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, how, do, how does that how does that work? How, what happens? Well, you, you uh, file, you read the permits when they come up for renewal, and we read some that were very bad quality discharges, and we didn't want them to be renewed at that bad quality. So we protested those permits with a letter, hmm. and um, then we were granted a hearing which is like a trial, and you have to hire a lawyer to do that. And then you have to hire engineers or biologists or 
chemists to do studies to prove your point and we had to do all of that we spent many years doing that about 10 years and we got all three discharges in the upper san marcos river cleaned up to a very good quality and that was when the old timers down in martindale and fentress told us that they had not seen the river so clear for 40 years you're listening to mothering earth I'm your host, Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Diane Wasenick of the San Marcos River Foundation. We've been talking about some of the work the foundation has done for more than 30 years to keep the San Marcos River clean, clear, and beautiful. When we come back, we'll talk specifically about maintaining the water quality. But right now, it's time for a break. I'm here with Diane Wasenick, who's program manager at the San Marcos River Foundation. Uh, and we were talking about one of the programs that the, uh, the River Foundation carries out in terms of maintaining water quality. Um, what other programs are there? Well, um, there have been many over the 31-year 30 30 history. A major one was uh, around the year 2000, Uh, And we spent 10 years at this one uh, trying to get a water right application through the state process to apply for enough water to keep in the river that not only our river, but all the way downstream to the bays and estuaries, there would be adequate water in the future. Because the state has been pretty busy giving out water rights to the point that in our river, there's not enough water left during a drought to keep the river healthy. And we brought attention to that in the year 2000. There were articles all over the U.S. and even in other countries about our water right application because it was uh, big news, precedent setting. And um, that ended up in the courts and we kept after it Uh, winning at a lower court when they refused to grant the application. Uh, Then it went to an appeals court. At that stage, we lost, and then the Texas Supreme Court did not want to hear the case because, meanwhile, the legislature passed a law to prevent groups from applying for water rights like we had done. Retroactively, which is not supposed to happen, I didn't think that was legal, but... We decided to let that lie. I think we had made our point quite well, and uh, it had drawn a lot of attention to the issue. And then uh, the state, in lieu of allowing groups to apply for a water right to leave water in the river, the state started a process called the Bay Basin Stakeholder Process for each river system and let the citizens decide how much water would be left in the rivers. And we went through a several-year process of doing that, working on that, doing studies, and then our recommendations were not um, taken by the state in the end. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being kind of a a futile effort. An exercise, yeah. Right. So when when uh, people are applying for these rights, is this are we talking about individuals? Are we talking about somebody's building a development and they need 
water. It's all kinds of so people. So it could be any. Yeah, any it could place. be a river authority. It could be a okay. uh, who provides water from treatment plants mm-hmm. to cities, or it could be a farmer, or it could be an industry, or a power plant, or an individual. All of those things are happening. But you must realize I'm talking here about surface water rights from rivers. Mm-hmm. Groundwater rights are a whole right. separate can of worms that I'm right. sure you're very familiar yeah. with in the Wimberley area. <laughs> and that that regulation of groundwater and tying it to what happens in surface water because springs from groundwater come to the surface and feed rivers, that has not been recognized or handled yet by the legislature. They've still been avoiding that. One thing I was wondering about is, in terms of the, uh, historically, the quality of the water, has that changed over time? Or oh, yes. Just over the time you've been Yes. Here? In uh, early years in San Marcos, the wastewater treatment plant was right here in town, where the Lines okay. 2 Brennell is now, and they discharged pretty funky wastewater uh, material into the river. And um, there were people swimming right below there. So it was a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, over the years, the wastewater treatment plant got moved downstream, wastewater treatment improved. And then when we forced the issue, the city built a really good plant and now is able to sell most of its um, wastewater because it's very, very clear. Mm-hmm. So the river at this point is a, what we can call safe to yes. swim in? Oh, yes. Is, and yeah. the fact that the river is cool water is particularly important in the hot summers in Texas because, you know, warm, stagnant water can grow bacteria that's very mm-hmm. harmful. Our river here is tested not only by us, but by the city and the university regularly. And so we know if there's a discharge of any kind that causes high bacteria levels. Of course, we always tell people, do not swim the first day or two after a rain, because rain brings in bacteria from dogs in yards where people don't clean up, um, streets, uh, wild animals, cows and overflowing sewage pipes, you know, or leaking sewage pipes. So another area that uh, the River Foundation is concerned about is the flow. So what, can you sort of define well, what, that, our what, river, that, what does that refer to? Yeah, our river flows from the San Marcos Springs, mostly in the bottom of Spring Lake, where the old Aquarina uh, amusement park was. It's now called the Meadows Center for Water and the Environment. And those springs, dye tracing has been done all around San Marcos in all directions, including around the Blanco River. And we know that water comes from all directions to flow up in the bottom of Spring Lake and create this river. And this river flows, this fairly large river just flows right out of those springs, right in the middle of town, and then flows on down to join the Blanco and go to the Gulf Coast. That uh, fact that that aquifer feeds our springs means that it's very important what happens around town in this hilly area called the Balconies Fault, where these 
recharge zones are that feed these springs. And of course, it's very important what happens in the Wimberley Valley because the Trinity Aquifer up there flows water into the Blanco River, which then literally drops into the bottom of the river and down into our Edwards Aquifer, which then comes out in our spring. So we're very interconnected, our two communities. And this is an important point that we have tried to help people understand, is that we must protect these recharge zones if we wish to have a clear flowing river. And to that end, the San Marcos River Foundation spent the last 10 years working on a plan called the Habitat Conservation Plan with stakeholders from the entire area, from here to Uvalde, and even down to Victoria. The state set a certain level of pumping that was going to be allowed in the Edwards Aquifer in order to protect the springs, but that level was so high that it would not have protected the springs during a drought like the 1950s. So we had to all get together and meet and figure out what we were going to do. And we made an extremely extensive plan that was also expensive. It, I think we're spending around $17 million a year for um, these programs that we set up. And we're paying farmers not to pump during dry periods. We're leasing water rights and storing them underground in the Carrizo Aquifer during wet times so that we can pull that out during dry times and do less pumping from the Edwards Aquifer. We're doing water conservation programs. We're doing improvements to the habitat in the river here in San Marcos and in Comal. There's a long list of projects right. Right. and it's paid for with fees on the pumping that is done from the Edwards Aquifer. I'm here with Diane Wassenick, who's program manager for the San Marcos River Foundation. Uh, and we were just talking about the flow of the river. Um, are there practical things that individuals should know that they, that they can do to assist, to, to, make, you know, to make this happen, to make it a better situation for the river? What, what can people do? Well, um, every individual in their home or their business can be alert to doing all they can for water conservation. Rainwater collection is a wonderful thing for landscape because plants like rainwater better than hard water. But um, other than that, I would say Managing your own home and lawn in an environmentally responsible way, knowing that whatever you put down on the ground is going to go in your drinking water. Now, whether that is dog waste or cat waste, I, I don't discriminate, um, or whether that is uh, oils and hydraulic fluids and harmful hydrocarbons, or you know, whatever it is, herbicides, pesticides, pesticides yeah. excessive fertilizers, all of those things are going to go in your drinking water if you live in this area. And eventually it's going to make our drinking water not healthy. So um, the longer we can all protect our waterways by doing these things, the better it'll be for us and our children. Uh, another area that's important is just the beauty, because obviously that's something we all appreciate is just looking, even just looking at the river. Um, what, what kinds of programs do you have around that? 
Well, um, over the years, we've done many things. We've helped buy parkland, and we do river cleanups, and we do everything we can to make our river stay beautiful. I do also want to say, as far as beautiful goes, clarity is a big thing. It's hard to say whether that's about purity or beauty or what, but it's a big thing here in San Marcos. Nobody wants to see the clarity of the river lost. And in all our work over the years on wastewater permits, flow issues, we finally came to the realization that the only reason we had such a beautiful river is that between here and Wimberley is mostly vegetation. It is not heavily developed. So any further development in this sort of corridor between Wimberley and San, uh, and San Marcos would be, would that be a threat to the quality of the river? Well, I'm sure that development could be done in a way that uh, would not threaten the quality of the river, but it's going to have to be done very carefully. And San Marcos is modifying its land development ordinances right now that I hope will be more protective. Diane says they always need volunteers, so go to sanmarcosriver.org and sign up. You know, I'd love to hear from you, so please send any comments or suggestions for future shows to me at gardentoad at bcs.com. That's gardentoad, one word, at v-c-y-e-s dot com. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan, signing off for Mothering Earth. Thank you.